This episode briefly mentions molestation, domestic violence, and sexual assault. If you or someone you know has experienced this, please reach out for help. The National Sexual Violence Resource Center recommends reaching out to RAINS hotline at 1-800-656-4673. You can also utilize their chat service. Links to these and other resources are available in the show notes. Welcome back and thanks again for tuning in to the Our Version of Events podcast, which explores and amplifies the perspectives, experiences, and stories of humans being. As a subsidiary production of Shining Light Media, this podcast aligns with the mission to help individuals and organizations shape, shift, and or share their narratives. We specialize in shining a light on stories that depict empowerment and resiliency in our communities. And it is my great pleasure to introduce to you Florida and Ed Dudley of the Durham, North Carolina-based, yet internationally reaching Shining Light in Darkness nonprofit organization. Welcome to the show, Florida and Ed. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm going to let the ball start first. Um. (laughs) Okay, so for myself personally, I love reading, swimming, and just spending time with my family. Who I am, I am a survivor. I am a mother. I am a sister, grandmother. I am a woman. I am Ed Dudley. I am... Uh, an entrepreneur, um, love social impact, um, 20 year vet of financial services, uh, father, grandfather, son, brother, all that, all that good stuff. Just out here trying to be a servant in this chapter of my life. You mentioned survivor, you mentioned being in service to others. Tell me a little bit about how that transitions to the organization that you started. Tell us a little bit about Shining Light in Darkness. Okay, Shining Light in Darkness, um, the genesis of it was from me being a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence. And um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, and I always wanted to start my own business like my family. But this particular business that God commissioned me to do uh, was not for profit. It was nonprofit. So in twenty. 14, when we were living in Georgia at the time, we, um, I told my husband that, okay, this is what God told me to do and I'm going to move forward with it. And he said, okay, go ahead. And of course, with God telling me to do something, I'm going to be obedient to it because I know that obedience is better than sacrifice. And I didn't want to put myself into any unnecessary trials and tribulations. But needless to say, when God gave me the name Shining Light in Darkness, I had the slightest idea that it was to um, reveal some of my most personal and intimate life stories. So he just gave me the name. And after the name and getting everything done, the paperwork legalized and everything, then that's when he told me that I was going to share my stories. And I was like, okay, what do you mean I'm going to share my stories? Because that wasn't something that I talk about in the forefront to anybody, basically. And he was like, what you have survived, basically. And I was like, okay, I almost died at the hands of my first husband with domestic violence. I'll do it. I have no problem. And then he was like, yes, that's fine, too. But you're going to talk about the sexual assault that happened to you at the age of seven. And I was like, I don't know if I wanted to do it. 
but I said, nevertheless, I'll go ahead and be obedient. So forward and in 2015, we were in a bad car accident. And in that car accident, all of those suppressed childhood memories that I had from the age of seven came back full force and it had overtaken me. And I had to do therapy and any way that you could think of negative and positive to try to cope and deal with that type of trauma, I did that. And I realized that in order to, um, to be healthy and whole, the first step in for me, I'll do it that way, to become healthy and whole, I had to accept what happened and not blame myself for what happened because I was only seven and my innocence was stolen and it wasn't my fault because I was only a child. And I went through counseling and therapy and everything. That didn't help me. And what helped me get through all of this was learning what I learned from my therapist and educating myself about everything that happened to me from that event, how it just shaped um, my future from that one particular accident. And so after I became healthy and whole, dealing with the childhood molestation, that's when God was like, now you think about it. It took you this long to finally deal with something that happened to you at the age of seven, over 30 plus years. And you know how bad it did you, all of the thoughts, all of the, the therapy, everything that you went through. And this is what I want you to help other survivors, other victims with. And so it became clear as day that this is part of my, 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 my commission in life to do, to help victims and survivors. Because all throughout my years, I was in different careers that helped people. But for me to really, to, to see the change that I wanted to see, this is why I was commissioned to do Shining Light in Darkness. For me, you know, um, subsexual assault and domestic violence was never in the forefront of my mind simply because uh, I didn't really know anyone personally that's gone through it or dealt with it. So, you know, you, we'd hear about it on TV, you see the stuff, but it really never affected you. You know, and once my wife started sharing her story, so much of this became personal to me and literally uber sensitive to the subject of sexual assault and domestic violence now, where I'll, I'll see stuff on TV that will bother me. Um, I will hear about it or read about it. It will bother me. Um, even to a, a favorite movie of mine, I, I saw how the women were being treated. I'm like, wow, you know, we, we let this go on for this many years. Um, and it kind of, and it kind of shocked me. And I think a lot of people in the public, if it doesn't affect them personally, it's not a forethought for them. It's just like, oh, well, that's a subject. But when they start digging deeper and realizing that it's affected somebody close to them, because I guarantee every person knows at least one person that has either dealt with domestic violence or sexual assault. Mm -hmm. They might not have shared it with you, but there's somebody in your circle that's dealt with it. Pleasure to just see um, the survivors and the victims want to become healthy and whole because we focus on the whole person, mind, body, soul, emotions, the whole person versus the outer appearance that people always focus on the scars, the bruises and all of that stuff. 
because in order to be healthy and whole and to become not only a survivor, but thriving in life, you have to be whole in order to move forward. Ed said something that reminded me of a few statistics that we hear about, that we see. Um, for example, one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner, which includes mm -hmm. a range of behaviors um, for example, slapping, shoving, pushing, and in some cases might not be considered um, domestic violence, and it depends on your state. Um, and some of these stats that I'm, I'm quoting come from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States alone. And during one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. Those are some really, really drastic numbers. And to consider the fact that many people are still not reporting, that these numbers are skewed. What are your, what are your thoughts on statistics and these numbers in general? And that's exactly what I was about to say. Now, those were the numbers for all of the crimes being reported. Me, myself, I was in that number where I didn't report what happened to me. And all of the victims and the survivors that I've helped and canceled, they only one out of maybe the hundreds of women and men that we've seen have went to the police, only one. And so if every victim um, went to the authority and reported that, it would be um, more like every two out of three, every five out of six when it comes to um, the women, the numbers would be so alarming high that people would really take a look at this with more seriousness. And I'm grateful for the Me Too movement because granted, I was already doing this before Me Too, but Me Too shine a light on it, like what we want to do, shine a light on in darkness. And it helped to bring people, make people more aware of what's going on with domestic violence, sexual assault. But we have a lot of more work to do because we may not see the change right now in our lifetime, but I'm pretty sure that the change is coming, whether it's my kids or my grandkids era. What you just said reminded me of your vision and mission statements. Would you mind um, sharing those with us? Our vision is to see a world free from sexual assault and domestic violence. Our mission is to provide holistic healing to the underserved victims and survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. What we want them to take away from shining light and darkness is that we include and care about everyone because the underserved population that we serve are women of color, men, the LGBTQIA community plus, and people with disabilities and veterans. They are so overlooked and survivors as a whole. And we want them to know that we are there for them. We believe them and we're here to support them. Um, we're, here to, we're here to support them um, as well in any way that we can. And one way that we're actually supporting, you know, one victim in particular, she dealt with domestic abuse um, earlier on in life, um, basically had some teeth knocked out and never took care of those. So what happened, eventually she lost a lot of teeth, gingivitis, gum disease. Um, and now you fast forward years later, she has a two-year-old son. Now everybody takes selfies and pictures. Well, she takes pictures with her child, but she never smiles. So we were able to partner with a dentist to help give her her smile back. 
So we're hoping in the first quarter that she will have a complete new smile, help her with her confidence and her self-esteem for this next chapter of her life. That is definitely impactful. Can, can you tell me a little bit about the services you offer as far as training in the schools and in the community and what other resources and partnerships you have in the community as well? Um, so the resources, what we provide is training, um, especially within the school system, because we focus on teenage dating because we see a lot of abuse happening at a younger age versus older. So we partner with um, any organization, but like I said, the school, we definitely want to make them more aware about knowing the signs, what to look for when um, the kids become isolated and their patterns have changed, just what to look for, all of the warning signs, as they would um, call it when I was growing up, the stranger danger. But everything that happened to me, it wasn't a stranger. It was someone that was very close to me, very personal. So even with um, the world today with the kids and the adults, the same thing applies to them. It's no longer what you're supposed to fear, letting them know that um, what used to be taboo is no longer taboo. So the things that they didn't want to talk about, we talk about all of those things, um, team dating, stalking, um, again, uh, professional development, support group, um, counseling and therapy. And for the things that we don't do, we do referrals as well. We've actually, you know, partnered with a couple local eateries to what we call a safe space where, you know, where survivors and victims just can come out and feel comfortable. We've, uh, there is a place, um, uh, Riddle, Riddle Raleigh now, that we can just go, go in and they can sit down and have a meal and just, you know, talk and just, just feel free to be, them, be themselves in a, in a comfortable and safe environment. And that's important, having safe space to come together, support groups, if you will, um, and just being able to talk with trained facilitators who, who have gone through a process, a, process a, tr a training of their own in order to deal appropriately and respectfully and culturally responsively when we're, when we're talking about um, underserved populations. So LGBTQIA+, I, I know you mentioned those who are indigenous to this land um, and being able to, to understand that there are a lot of intersections here, the intersectionality of being a person of color and being a woman or being a person of color and being someone who is male identifying and, and the stigma on top of that of reporting that someone has, has assaulted you or raped you is, is, is so hard to press against in and of itself. But when there are so many layers to your identity, that challenges people. So for the ones that have those intersections, that, that is completely why we focus on the whole person where when they come to us, it's not a last resort or anything like that. It's more so um, for the simple fact that we are bias-free. We don't judge. We focus on getting them to the point where they will become self-sufficient and able to um, maintain a life or career out in the world outside of what they've endured. And definitely if they don't want to report it to the police, that's where we come in. We are that, that, that safe haven for them. And if we see the need, that this needs to be reported. We are that mediator to go to the police on their behalf. 
So everything that they do is in complete confidence. And we do not divulge any of their information to anyone. That is like one of the things that I've learned since I've been doing this is trust is something that you have to earn. But when that person lose that lose that trust in you, it's very hard to get back. So we don't want to lose their trust and their faith in us as an organization, protecting their privacy. Um, you were asking about some of the partnerships that we have. So we have um, a ton of partnerships with different organizations within the community. Um, we partner with Microsoft. We partner with Advanced Care, which is Advanced Care in Durham. Um, Dr. Oscar Canelio and Everything Not Black. Um, we also partner with We Are Connected. We also partner with a hairstylist. So things that we partner with are very near and dear to me. For the simple fact, I know how I felt when I was going through that transition, especially in the workplace. I know how I dealt with low self-esteem, feeling like I wasn't good enough, regardless to what people would tell me. But what I needed um, was just me to believe in myself. And so instead of having any of the victim survivors, male, female, um, or gender bias, it doesn't matter. Um, I want to make sure that they have that high level of self-esteem confidence that they have never had in their life before because we have our hairstylist, um, the hair loft of Raleigh, um, Dia Cox. She's the owner of it. So with everything that I'm doing, I'm very strategic in it because we have a makeup stylist for the women that will potentially go on a job interview and if they can't get themselves together as far as the grooming and the upkeep of themselves um, with our partner makeup stylist and hairstylist they can get that done for free everything that we do is pro bono we don't charge them anything at all we just want them to focus on themselves getting themselves together we want to alleviate some of the pressure off of them that's beautiful that you you talk about the workplace and, and empowering them economically because I, I was going to mention, I'm so glad this was a good segue, um, the economic impact that victims of intimate partner violence lose a total of 8 million days of paid work each year and that between 21 to 60% of victims or survivors of that violence lose their jobs due to reasons stemming from their abuse. Yes, and with that, um, those statistics that you just read, again, mm -hmm. That's just what was reported. Mm -hmm. So again, think about if everybody that was a victim reported, that number would be so much higher than that. And um, as you were talking, I, I thought about a coworker of mine and myself when I was working. Uh, and when I was going through what I was going through with my first husband, I was left with a ton of debt. Wow. And it was just like, or wait on me and not just with the the financial part being a mother then I have to be strong for my kids that was another stressor right there and not telling them everything that's going on so it was just one stress level to the next stress level and it was just there where my literally my blood pressure had dropped so low that I passed out at work and it was just so happened that I was working in healthcare at this clinic where the nurse came in, found me and I was seen and I found out that I was stressed out and I had to go on some um, antidepressant med 
to to cope with everything that was going on with me. Now, I still maintain my job taking the meds, but my coworker that you could see the physical abuse, you couldn't see any signs of me knowing that I was going through this, but the coworker that I worked with, she had all of the physical signs of going through domestic violence and she lost her job because she didn't show up. And I see how the system is so unfair to victims of these these issues. There are, as I mentioned before, different different states and different areas have different laws on what, for example, consent is. What are your thoughts on what you would like to see in the policy arena? But I would love to see, um, especially for North Carolina, I would love to see that that law as to saying, regardless to the consent, where the victim cannot withdraw consent after saying yes, that that is the first thing that I would love to see change here in my my home state right now. But um, I have to be honest that we don't focus on the policies and procedures. We also partner with the North Carolina Coalition Against Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence here in Durham and Raleigh. And we just work together collaboratively where they we partner together that way. So we don't um, have our hands in everything, but it's in, in the state, just national, nationwide, I would love to see them not ostracize and criticize the victims that do come forward and make them feel like it's their fault. Because I've talked to some victims and survivors where they've said that when they went to report something, um, they wasn't believed. It was a joke. So I want them to start taking this more seriously. And that's one good thing, again, about the Me Too movement. It brought it back to the forefront where they have no other choice but to take it seriously. And also um, the TV series, um, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, it's also addressing it as well because Marissa Hargrave, I I may be mispronouncing her name, um, she plays Detective Olivia Benson on this series. And she started her own foundation because after she was playing the role for so long, she realized that it was a problem. And a way for her to really give back versus acting is with this foundation, Joyful Hearts. And she's also trying to help with the back um, backlog cases and everything, too. So every organization that focuses on sexual assault and domestic violence, it's we all play a unique role in doing it because it's not like one organization can do everything we have to work together because we can't do it by ourselves right now we are actually um, able to operate in three states georgia north carolina and mississippi and the only thing that is just a hindrance is the funding because everything that we do from shining light and darkness it comes from ed and i Um, our um, funds for the family. And if we could get a better support system financially with sponsors, donors, that would be great. There is not um, anything that is too small because every little bit helps us to help victims and survivors to give them their small back, to give them the professional development or with the financial um, classes that my husband has um, for Shining Light and Darkness to help with that. Um, it will be appreciated and we will just be just enlarging our territory to help other victims and survivors 
um, of the underserved population that other organizations don't focus on and this component that Shining Light and Darkness focus on. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of um, organizations is, is funding. Um, I'm, I'm on that mindset that it seems like the rich get richer. Uh, whereas, you know, some of the ones that can make a more meaningful impact um, should be getting some of the funds as well. So, you know, we're always open to partnering with other organizations to help spread spread what we're doing, because I, I, I'm a firm believer there's not one organization that's going to tackle this issue and help stop. It's going to take every organization come together collaboratively to really make a difference and see the change that we're praying that we see in the future. You can go to our website and just as a disclosure, our website is being completely rehauled even as we speak. So within the next 30, 45 days, you'll probably see something completely different. But you can go and sign up there to um, potentially be a um, supporter. You can go sign up for volunteer opportunities for our future events. Um, during the first quarter of 2020, we're hoping to, um, with an organization to have literally a food bank uh, distribution. Uh, for the community just as a way to give back to the community, but also just to give awareness to what we're doing as well. But uh, one of the things, another way to find us is we actually have a podcast as well that you can go and sign up for our podcast and to get some um, exclusive content, you know, for a monthly subscription of three, five dollars, ten dollars, uh, whatever you want to sign up for and get different content. And all the 100% of the money is being used to help our, our mission, whether it's um, helping for um, um, therapy, uh, whether it's helping, you know, to, uh, you know, put, get your smile back, just any way that we can help the victims. We take none of the money, put it in our pockets. Uh, we're literally just trying to be out to serve people and help people. Um, final thought would be that for the victims and survivors, never settle for anything that doesn't feel right to you anyone that's hitting on you or abusing you or forcing you or coercing you to do something that you don't want to do that's not love that's actually control always go with as they call it women's intuition or that gut feeling because sometimes not sometimes it's always right when you have that feeling about a situation you leave it and don't look back. Money, your home, the material stuff, all of that can be replaced. But your life is something that you never can get back. Before you lose your life, walk away from it all and start over and reach out to us. If you feel like you don't have anywhere to go, a place to go, we are here for you. That's why Shining Light and Darkness exists because we want to be that light for you in darkness because in so much darkness, it's hard to see the light at times, but we are here. I've been there probably not through that similar situation, but I can relate to it. And if you need something from us, whether it's referral, whatever, don't be afraid to reach out to us. You can reach out to us at, um, hello at Shining Light in Darkness or Florida at Shining Light in Darkness. Our phone number is 919-791-5578. You can go online to our website if you want to do it anonymously where we can reach out to you however you would like to to get the, the assistance and the help that you need. We are here for you.